0: Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com.
1: You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, <laughs> you I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young.
2: My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it.
0: The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy Chuck and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports
3: talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair.
4: Guys, apparently the uh, hidden. It's been a little harder this week. Coach was not satisfied with one of the practices last week, but sounds like he's been pretty satisfied this week.
3: We didn't wrap up very good. The only way I know how to get better at it is to go do it. And they, now I'll be honest with you, I was out there watching it live too, and I was like. Man, you know, they were getting after it. And every every group was having a tackling circuit. But this one right here, it drew your attention to it because of the noise that was going on. But, yeah, a lot of strong hitting right there. And we just, you know, we didn't wrap up very good Saturday. And we want to make sure we emphasized it.
4: So what he said about game one is that they didn't get a lot of pressure, but they tackled better. But game two, they got more pressure didn't tackle as well so maybe you could see both those aspects in game three saturday night and he was chucky's talking about his linebackers there yesterday how physical they got in practice
2: uh and some just like i said tackling circuits they were doing uh that caught his attention because he said because of the noise they were making with all the contact yeah, I think this is the natural progression of, you know, what you do in the first month of the season.
0: You're not going to click on all cylinders out of the gate. You look at most teams, uh, in fact, you know, as I've said before, the only two fan bases that are really happy right now are Texas and Florida State. Um, everybody else sees a problem. And generally, in the first couple of ball games, unless you're, you know, one of those Playoff type teams, you're going to find some problems. And I think Arkansas felt like coming out of that second ball game that they had to refocus a little bit. And I think the hitting and the physicalness and the things of that nature are a byproduct of that. You can say, we're going to go out and practice and work on tackling and work on wrapping up, but you got to have the guys that are out there running around and, you know, playing like crazy. Uh, to make it work and so i think there's a refocus on the part of the players this week and i think that that's revealing itself in the way that they're practicing
4: i want to stay with the linebackers for a sec so crook plays a lot in game one and then game two doesn't play you've got antonio greer who's back from injury gets that pick six Jaheim Thomas has been probably your most consistent defensive player. The first two games led the team tackles both games, and then Chris Poo Paul's back. Brad Spence, while he's a true freshman, that dude still wants to play. So you mentioned coach talking about the heat of that line, like that linebacker drill. That's probably one of the most competitive position groups right now, just based on where everyone's at from a level standpoint.
0: Well, I mean, Spence got to start. You know, Spence mm-hmm. started so. That's a good room. I would not have bet that Brad Spence would have started one of the first two games, just to be very honest. When camp bro or when camp opened up or when camp broke, for that matter. But uh, there he was. I think that group's been challenged some. I think that's probably been reflected in the way they practiced this week too. Uh, it sounds like. Chris Paul Junior has been ta- challenged a little bit, and you know maybe Jordan Crook was being challenged last week. I don't know. Uh, I am not privy to their conversations, but I know that you know again after being a factor in the first game, not being much at all in the second, um, and we may see that a little bit. Although I do suspect if this team's going to be at its best, uh, we know Jaheim Thomas can play uh pooh paul's got to play better and i think he said that and everybody knows that maybe being out there for the whole ball game will help you know he haven't mm-hmm. been able to do that yet so i think they're going to be okay there yeah. i think that's a good position group
2: and as we've already seen linebackers secondary i mean it could come from anywhere but on defense primarily you're one targeting call away from being thrust into a starting role
0: Well, you are, and that's just kind of how it is in the targeting world, depending upon when you get that targeting penalty. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, you can find yourself in the starting lineup in a hurry.
4: And you mentioned the challenge of the linebacker room. It hasn't just been the the linebackers that have been challenged, the whole team, and evidently they've responded to that challenge. You could feel it. On Monday, Tuesday, and today was one of our best practices we've had. So that's, again, a strong start. You heard Coach his malcontent after last week's one, i think it was what the tuesday practice hopefully the better practices they have this week will lead to a solid result come saturday night
0: oh i yeah i i, th- I think that um, again this is this is reflective of the process of going through september and getting to better opponents and when you get to better opponents you you know you've got greater focus I felt they would be that way coming out of the Kent State game. This is the natural ebb and flow of the early part of a the season. Uh, they'll be more intense in practice this week than they were last week, and they'll be more intense in practice next week than they are this week because that's what the progression of the season requires. Yeah,
2: This is going to be a, a, a night game. He, he's talking about the players really like playing at night. They like going to the movies on oh, Friday yeah. night. They like the schedule. Coaches are – they're like us, Chuck. They're old guys. They like to get in bed a little earlier and get not get such a, a short window between Saturday night's work and Sunday's work in the office. But uh, he said the team really does like, um, you know, those, those night games.
0: Well, yeah, they're off Sunday. Sunday's an off
2: day for the players.
0: It's not an off day for the coaches. So, uh, yeah, they love the night games. And now, you know, sometimes when you're on the road, you get in really late. Yeah, those players get a little nap on the plane and they're ready to go when they get back to town. Uh, I know how it is when you're that age. I was the same way. So, um, yeah, they love night games, especially when you win. Makes for Makes for a big night for them, I'm sure.
4: Chuck, uh, Chuck we do have back-to-back night games, one at home, one on the road for this Arkansas football team. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk to you because it got released on Monday. But Does that set up in terms of strategy at all, you think, for Pittman and his staff, the fact that they have a 6.30 game this week and then a 6 o'clock game next week?
0: Well, I don't know if it's strategy, but I think that you get into, you know, you do you have the same routine for consecutive weeks. And um, I have a hard time believing that A&M game is going to be a night game. But, um, you know, you're going to have a couple in a row here. And then, in all likelihood, um, you know, your, your your schedule will change a little bit. Your body clock's going to change again. TV games do that. Um, you know, some of you know some of where obviously and we know this some of where you play depends on how you did the week before or two weeks before and um i guess unless they utilize a 7 day window we'll know about the a&m kickoff uh, i guess monday mm-hmm. So how you do this week might have a little something to do with that and how the other teams do too.
4: I think it's also important to mention this week, there's no top 25 matchups. I know a lot of eyes are going to be on Colorado with college game day and Fox noon kickoff being there. That's the 930 game against Colorado State. It's a rivalry game. They got massive ratings on Fox this past week. Almost beat out Texas, Alabama, but they just won. You're going to have a lot of national eyes this week. This is a game while it's not two ranked opponents, ESPN2, prime time slot this is a good week and as we heard from Richard discussed yesterday Tommy there's going to be a good chunk of recruits here
2: Saturday yeah, night and, and having that evening slot I think is advantageous we've talked about 11 a.m being a, a challenge to get people in from playing their Friday night high school game flying into and a getting to the game in time it's just uh it's problematic so 6 30 allows you a lot more freedom uh to get that in and uh I think if, you know you're gonna have a good atmosphere because Guys, the weather's going to be great. It's going to be all day tailgating. Um, I think this will, you know, so far be the best crowd of the year and the best
4: atmosphere of the year in a in a very young season. I saw that Cash and Kane Archer going to be there on Friday night, two Greenwood guys. Kane, of course, is going to be highly decorated quarterback in the class of 2026. And I was wondering, he's injured
2: right now. He's not playing. Currently. Oh, really? he got a cast on his arm. He broke his wrist I a couple even, of weeks ago. he got some pins in it. So he's out for a couple of weeks at
4: Greenwood. I didn't even know that. So yeah. on that subject... Again, Kane's got all these travel football connections. I'm wondering we've already we've already seen a couple of recruits that are again North Carolina, California, Ohio. I wonder with this game being at 6:30, not just the in-state local kids, but how many kids nationally might come to this game with the connection to Kane or just the fact again that it's 6:30 yeah. tomorrow night.
0: Oh, I think this is the first event game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the first game where, you know, you you're, you know you want to go see and be seen you know it's an event game and i think that um, in terms of arkansas the stars will be out uh saturday night and you know you don't really have that sometimes for your you know your first game at home and certainly wasn't that way in little rock and so yeah i think um i think recruits will be there i think fans will be there i think people that just want to go see the razorbacks play will be there and i i I suspect that it's i suspect it's going to be that kind of night
2: chuck we dove into byu a little bit yesterday morning you weren't with us and i wanted to get your thoughts on a few things. One thing that jumps out, just reading their game notes and just kind of brushing up on the Cougars is their team is vastly different from a year ago. They brought in nearly 60 new players between uh, freshman players and transfer portals. This is you know, not uncommon to see an overhaul. Arkansas has got 38 new players, but 60 is pretty, uh, pretty eye popping numbers. This is a totally different team than what Arkansas faced a year ago.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a whole different deal. Um, you know, it's it's funny. If you didn't have what Colorado had done uh, with their roster, I don't know, the BYU wouldn't have the biggest makeover in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got 60 new players. They've got a quarterback that's at his third school. Uh, they are I don't know that they're going to throw now they're going to throw don't get me wrong but I don't know that they're going to do it in the way that sometimes we think of a traditional BYU team throwing the ball Uh, that's still part of what they do don't get me wrong but I do think they're going to be a little bit maybe more ground based than you know what we traditionally think of a BYU team being but I thought they were pretty good last year they obviously felt like they had to um, you know they had to change some pieces I asked Coach Pittman last night if They changed philosophy, and, um, you know, he he talked about how, you know, maybe they will be a little bit more ground-oriented, a little bit more physical in their approach. Um, You know, they're moving, you know, they're in the Big 12 now, and so, you know, they've got conference games to think about, too. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, their first conference game's next week, just like the Razorbacks, so... Uh, should be a good matchup. But but yeah, BYU's a whole lot different than they were last year.
4: Yeah, you mentioned the new quarterback. So they've had Zach Wilson. Arkansas played Jared Hall last year. Keaton Slovis kid started his career at Southern Cows. Pretty good. Ends up transferring to Pittsburgh when Lincoln Riley comes in, brings Caleb Williams. Really struggled. In Pittsburgh so I wonder for him as uh, again you had a successful stint start to your career then you have kind of an off year in Pittsburgh what kind of year he could have and I bet he wants to again show out and display what he can do this Saturday night against an SEC team
2: this dude's got like 10 he's got over 10,000 career passing yards and Chuck over 70 touchdowns I mean this isn't a this is no slouch
0: well and you know you've you've got a kid from that region of the country and started his career there from there moves literally all the way across the country to play football uh lots of times that doesn't work out and he's back in his part of the world now you know that uh, western third of the world i guess and the western third of the united states and He's probably a lot more comfortable than he was at uh, than he was at Pitt. Would be my guess.
4: I'm just happy that Arkansas doesn't have to worry about Puka Nakua. I'm watching NFL this past Sunday, and Matthew Stafford keeps throwing it to this guy. Yeah, he's and I'm like, good. Well, I was like, why does this guy sound familiar? And I was like, oh, because he torched Arkansas last year in Provo, and again, he had the best of any NFL receiver. Had the best outing this past Sunday. He was the most picked up player in fantasy. But, guys. You know not Marcus Woods and Travis Williams. They don't have the game plan for him because he's playing for the Rams, not the not the Cougars.
0: Yeah, he won't be a factor Saturday night. That's for sure. Yeah,
2: let's go to the mclarty Daniel hotline. We got a text from Mitchell Chuck. He wants to know about the BYU defense and particularly their run defense. Uh, what do we know about these guys? Because last year that was the problem. In fact, they made some staff changes following the Arkansas game. The defense was the uh, was the big factor last year when Arkansas went to Provo.
0: It's been better, but we don't know a lot yet because they've played Sam Houston State and they played Southern Utah. And, you know, they've got a lot of new personnel over there, too. And they're just kind of finding themselves. They, uh, it's just really too early to know. This is, this is going to be their, their, their first test in, in, in that regard. And, you know, part of the reason that they retooled defensively um, was so they could you know play games like these. Now, I also know that going into the Big 12, one of the reasons you have to retool defensively is because you are going to be under aerial assault every time you play. Um, so, I'm kind of like you. I, I, I sort of wonder what their run defense is going to be like if they have a good run defense. They got a chance to compete in the Big 12. I'll put it that way. Um, but... I just think the sample size is too small right now to know.
4: Yeah. It's hard to get, and I think people have said the same thing about Arkansas. Again, hard to determine a lot out of it based on the opponents you played, and the same as well, Again, goes for BYU.
0: And I, I, I don't, I don't put any stock in statistics right now, good or bad. Uh, when it, when it, when, when, when you played two opponents that had no chance to beat you it changes the way you play. And now the natural thought is, well, if they have no chance to beat you, you just roll over, you just roll them over and pad your stats. Well, sometimes that happens. Mm -hmm. But as we've seen before, and we saw Saturday night, you know, sometimes a focus issue can keep those numbers from piling up. And other times you have games where the other teams, you know, I mean, they've started the bus in the third quarter and you do pad the stats then. So... I don't. I don't put a lot of stock in numbers at this point in the season.
2: I'm with you. The stats lie to you because the sample size isn't big enough. But just to tell you what the rushing defense numbers say, they are: uh, Arkansas allows 45 yards a game. We know that defense. That number's not going to hold up. That's number one of the SEC, fourth in the country. BYU 61 yards per game on the ground right now, second the Big 12, and number 10 in the country. But I don't think any of us believe those numbers are going to hold. Well, uh, hold serve as they move into conference play for either team.
0: Well, and 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 the the way the game's unfolding, Dick takes a lot of that. I mean, Southern Utah is down big early, and Western Carolina is down big early, and you know they're going to throw the ball, yeah. and so uh, and 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 you're going to change the way you do things when you've got the ball as a result of that. So I just think that at this point, you know, we're going to find out a lot more about BYU's run defense this weekend, and we're going to find out a lot more about Arkansas probably too.
4: Well I'll tell you what we did find out this weekend, Chuck, is a lot of people not only have been talking about Colorado, but they're watching Colorado. That rating. That game this weekend nearly had 8 million viewers. Now, the Texas-Alabama game slightly outdid it. It had about 8.8. That game had about 8.73. They combined the Pat McAfee and telecast with that, so you can take that for what it's worth. But, guys, a lot of people watching this weekend mentioned they're going to be in Boulder for college game day, Fox Noon kickoff and whatnot, and then they go to Eugene. Next week, what'd you say about the Pat McAfee deal? So, so they come. It was I, I, I was reading this because it was like an asterisk almost. They had the I think it was on ESPN two. Like it's
2: like the Manning
4: cast. Yeah, the Manning. It, they do a,
2: an alternate. Oh, yeah. I see Run what you're so they can com- of the same game. Saying,
4: they yeah. combine those numbers and that gave oh, I it see. that rating. Um, probably McAfee's sure.
0: word- numbers haven't been all that good, but I'm sure that the um- it was just I'm under sure eight hundred
2: thousand. Yeah,
0: game. I'm sure that the um, the game itself was a uh, was a big draw. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you think about it. You guys were talking a little bit earlier. Uh, there's not been a you know just a bevy of ranked teams playing one another mm-hmm. early on, but you've had two really, you know, highly viewed ball games mm-hmm. in the Colorado Nebraska game and then the Texas Alabama game. So it shows you that. You don't have to have an abundance of match of
4: ranked matchups to draw big crowds if you got the right game. Highest regular season game for ESPN since 2015—that Alabama-Texas game. We'll see how the Colorado-Colorado State game ranks this Saturday night. But Dion was asked about this winning and how he kind of is dealing with it, and uh, he had a funny response as he often does. No,
3: He's not following. really. I don't have time to enjoy the moment. Santa don't have time. He got to deliver the gifts. He ain't got time to enjoy his cookies. That's all he gets.
4: <laughs> say they do not have time to eat the cookies, he's got to keep delivering gifts. dion has got to keep delivering wins. I don't expect them to lose on Saturday night, but they really got to ratchet it up heading to Eugene next week. And I did not think that we would spend any time talking about Colorado on this radio show. The last two weeks, it's I been... Did. It's
0: been a it's been a topic, guys. There's really a good article in The Athletic. If you subscribe to The Athletic, uh there's a really good piece on Dion this week or the last couple of days, I guess. And uh really delves into what it you know, as you age and you realize you start maybe to get a little smarter, you realize that you know, the prime time thing's just a persona. It's just a persona. It comes on when the lights come on. It goes off when the lights go off. And um, He's a solid coach. You may not like that primetime persona. and Look, I've gone through periods of my life where I didn't like it either. But as I've gotten older and as I've watched his entire career unfold, um, there's a lot more to it than just that. Um, there is when, when, when you can make a person believe in themselves and make them do something that nobody thinks they can do or maybe they didn't even think they can do, not many people have that gift, and I mean he's got it and he, he's got mm-hmm. it in abundance. And um you have to give him credit at some point, even if you don't like his public persona, you have to give him credit at some point and as we are seeing, he still knows how to attract a crowd.
4: Yeah, and yeah. we always give Houston Nutt credit for his pregame speeches. I don't know if you guys either of y'all got a chance to watch either of his pregame speeches. They're fantastic. I watched both of them prior to both games. I expect nothing left. He and I I was curious what his approach was. I was expecting it to be good. I was locked in for three minutes. I felt like I was in the locker room listening to what he had to say. And that's
0: only a piece of coaching. That's the finished product. Mm -hmm. That's the icing on the cake when the cameras are on. You know, I'm just going to be blunt. It is. And every one of those guys knows they're being filmed. Every one of them does. And... It's what you do Monday through Thursday, man. It's what you do at 9:30 at night when a player comes into your office and he hadn't been playing well and you got you know you got to not only be a coach, you got to be a counselor and a friend and a half daddy and I mean you've got to do all kinds of stuff to, uh, to get a team to play at a high level and it's mostly mostly things none of us ever see and in some cases things we can't even imagine. Uh, You'd be amazed at what goes on within a team in terms of lives and where people are personally and how that affects the locker room and ultimately how it affects the way you play. He's finding a way to manage all that, and that's a really hard job. And you don't just do that with good sound bites and good pregame speeches. I mean, you just don't do it. If if, if that was the only criteria, we'd have a million coaches in the Hall of Fame because a lot of them can give a speech. But um, again, uh, what he does Monday through Thursday is really remarkable.
2: After going one and ten last year, if Colorado goes nine and three this year, guys, is Dion the coach at Colorado next year? If he wants to be, if he wants to be, yeah. And and the reason that
0: I say that is, I never imagined he'd want to be the coach at Jackson State. Did anyone ever imagine that primetime would be the head coach at Jackson State? Never in my wildest dreams. So that's why I say, people say, well, he's he's destined for the NFL or might be Saban's successor. All those things might happen. But he might just want to stay
4: at Colorado. Find out. Florida job could come open. That could get interesting. <laughs> Very well. Going go
5: to arrival. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old Southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options, like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row and the hiking and biking trails of the national park visit arlingtonhotel.com for more info
1: call or text the McClarty daniel hotline at 877-377-6963 McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in northwest Arkansas.
4: your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the
1: game starts you're listening to the bud light morning rush podcast bud light proud sponsor of arkansas athletics
4: all right, let's welcome in our friend Tom Murphy of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette and Whole Hog Sports. Tom, you think about the setup on Saturday night with Arkansas and BYU. And I know some people have talked about the Big 12 and the SEC kind of being at odds this week. You heard uh, Brady Latham talk about that's not a priority. Coach was asked about that yesterday in the, the teleconferences as well. Is this a big week? For the SEC, especially in Columbia, Missouri, when K-State takes on Missouri and then Arkansas plays another Big 12 team in BYU? Well, good morning, everybody. And yeah, I think
6: it is just in terms of how your conference is perceived. Um, If Georgia goes on and wins a third national championship in a row, everybody will forget about what their record was in these marquee games. But when LSU is losing to Florida State, Bama is losing to Texas, and so on, uh, you don't want to go 0-2 on Saturday if you're the SEC and you're hosting both of the games. So, um, yeah, uh, it would be in the short term a relatively embarrassing deal because the SEC prides itself on being the best conference. And if you're losing all your marquee Power 5 games, it doesn't look well. Um, uh, And, you know, the truth of it is Alabama, LSU, um, and South Carolina, they were among the top, you know, four, five, six finishers in the conference last year, and they've all lost out-of-conference games so far.
4: We saw K.J. Jefferson run for 13 times against Kent State. Big reason why Arkansas was able to kind of open up the offense a little bit. Coach was asked about that. They're going to use whatever it takes to win on Saturday night. How much more of the, really, of K.J. do we see running the football and really Dan Eno's opening up the offense against BYU?
6: Well, I'd like to think that there's some stuff that they haven't shown yet. Uh, maybe some stuff to the tight ends. Um, and I don't know, just different facets of, of the offense that they haven't had to reveal. Uh, obviously, they did not want to have to run KJ as much as they did the other day, but felt like at halftime, we got to do this. And you did get that sense, and Sam's expressed this, the sense that Kent State was shortening the game, which was going to you know, limit your total number of possessions. And when you start the night, going 0-3 on your first three possessions with one first down, and then they're running clock and they got a field goal out of one of them, there's a sense of frustration that kicks in, and you could really feel that. Um, and, you know, K.J. Is admitted as much that there was a, there's been a little frustration with the run game. You've heard A.J. Green talk about it. He talked about it a little bit last night. Um, uh, and, you, and you hope for Arkansas State, because things are flying at you pretty fast now, that they got some of that situated i wrote about it today it's it's the lack of explosive plays i mean there there was a data that for the past two years arkansas led the sec with 222 running plays of 10 plus yards and they have four this season and that that's not going to get you on pace for 111
2: tom murphy joining us on the McClarney daniel hotline to, to borrow the horse racing term a step up in class playing a team of a higher caliber this week how much does that change the Razorbacks performance in and of itself
6: um well Sam Pittman talked about how there's a different vibe in practice maybe a different concentration level you don't have to play have to tell the players to do so many things he mentioned that on Chuck show last night or on the Sam Pittman live show and um I don't know I I like the idea that you're self-motivated and that you didn't need a kick in the, the behind to get ready to play Western Carolina or Kent State. But uh, things are where they are, and you'd like to see a much cleaner, better performance. But Hey, the defense has been been playing really well. Um, they've allowed uh, one touchdown so far and 19 total points, so they've, they've done well. Uh, but it's a step up in class to defend Keaton Slovis and this passing offense. Uh, you hope that they limit BYU's run game as their previous two opponents did and really make them have to beat them through the air. And if you can get some pressure, maybe you can get some more turnovers. So, um, I don't know. I I do believe that we're going to see a better performance, but it it needs to be a lot cleaner. Yeah.
2: Everyone's had an opinion this week on the running game and what needs to happen. Coach talked about run fits yesterday and kind of explained some of the technical side of that and also talked about the backs. Um, Is it as simple as the way coach explained it yesterday it's about where they're getting their pads on their opponents is is that going to be some of the technical fix this week that maybe eases some of the anxiety the fans and media are having with the rushing game
6: exactly and there's a lot of components to it right i mean Mm he talked about you know what the tight ends are doing the fact that they're not blocking well on the perimeter so he's basically um enmeshed every unit um on to what's happening with the run game and so the fits are part of that. Where you block a guy, you know, you know, inside shoulder, outside shoulder. Where on that guy's body are you are you trying to move him? And where the double teams supposedly are supposed to come together? Where the running back, where his tracks take him in regard to where the block's supposed to go? And um, so, two weeks into the season and all through camp, they're still working on this. Well, it's a new a new offense. You understand? There's a little bit of a maybe of a, a slower a pickup to that. Um, you know, Rocket Sanders is not in the game. You know, how does that play into it? Maybe a little bit. Uh, you, but, but Arkansas fans, and this is a, the question I asked Sam Pittman on Monday, is the fans are so accustomed to these explosive plays. I mean, you think about the first play of the second half, Rocket Sanders against Ole Miss, touchdown. Just plays that break wide open. So, all those things have to fit together. And then sometimes the back has to make the safety best or run through his tackle. And we haven't seen a lot of that yet. Uh, The last series against Kent State, there was some of it. So, um, for for the Razorbacks' sake, I think they're going to need that um, because the way people cover, the way people come at KJ um, starting this week is going to put a little bit more pressure on the pass game. So, it all has to fit hand in glove and having a – um, a valid, legit, you know, running attack people have to fear uh,
2: is part of it.
4: Tom Murphy with us here on the McCarty Daniel Hotline. He's with Whole Hog Sports in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Tom, you just spoke to, again, the offensive line, tight ends, running backs, trying to figure out the run game. How much of that is them also trying to fully understand and comprehend Dan Enos' offense that they've just been with for two games?
6: Yeah, I think that's all part of it. And I, and I also think there's so much new personnel. I mean, Luke has is a new starting tight end. Um, They've had some, you know, some shuffling on the old line, A, because new guys, and then B, Brady Latham didn't play the first game that put Josh Braun at left tackle or left guard um, and Tykees Crawford at right guard. And, you know, because Devin Manuel was hurt in camp, Andrew Chambley got a starting position, um, and they're still trying to sort that. And you can sense a little bit of the frustration that Sam Pittman and his staff are understanding. They're trying to find the right person. They'll give people chances in the two games that they they were they're going to win, kind of no matter what happened, really, barring disasters. And um, and the, the the product on the field wasn't as clean and efficient as they wanted it to be. Uh, but but we are getting to the part of the schedule where, but they really do want to have, I think uh the, the five they want and then understanding the next guys are back up and um their chances aren't as as strong as they were in the first few games. Um but I think I think because of all this there's a level of anxiety in facing a tougher team in BYU on Saturday that uh the fans might not have had if everything had looked as smooth offensively in the first two games.
4: Tom, I want to go back to something you said just a couple of minutes ago. You were talking about, again, the Kent State game being short. Coach was asked about that by Chuck last night and was honest. He thinks that game was too short, two hours and 45 minutes, and talked about how he discussed with his coaching staff how they might try to adjust to a few things. How much are we going to see that in college football or maybe some coaches play stall ball to a certain extent just because of the shorter game times? Well,
6: Clearly Kent State did a, a good job of running the, the play clock down, and it's almost like the shot clock in basketball. Um, but you got a glimpse at how fast, I mean, two hours and 45 minutes, that's a major reduction mm-hmm. in, you know, like a, a game time that we're not used to seeing. And uh, Kent State managed to convert some first downs and have longer drives in the first half, and, you um, but what you what you have to be careful of is like, okay, well, we're going to go up more up-tempo on offense. Uh, but if you're up there and you're making mistakes, you're not getting your reads or your calls, and you're snapping the ball, and you're getting off the field offensively, then you kind of play into uh, what that other team is doing. So Arkansas has to be careful to keep its identity where it's the most comfortable at, from a pace standpoint. Um and, and and not getting into the trap of well the other teams lengthening the game we have to speed things up. Yeah.
2: Well, let's get you out of here on this one. Isaiah Satania seems to be getting closer to maybe breaking one loose. Didn't get as many chances in kickoff return a week ago. Do you think this might be the week or is it coming soon that Satania gets loose in the return game?
6: Well, Rico is a great punter, so will he out, out kick his coverage? Some that that's a possibility. If you if you can hold up their gunners. And get Isaiah a head start. You can tell that in the open field, he's going to be really tough. I mean, he broke a tackle on the one punt last week, and even though it was a tight space, he was maneuvering around and making guys miss. So if he ever gets a head of steam going, and and there's some space to maneuver, he's going to be he's going to be deadly. Um, they've also got to find a way to get him the ball. And when I say they've maybe held some things back, I think maybe getting him the ball in space on the edges. It's something we haven't seen a lot of that that might filter more into the game plan because uh, he's such a great open field runner. Um, but the targets for him and Broden and some of the other receivers and uh, all the tight ends except for has have been really limited. So uh, you want to you see him stay on the field longer so you can continue to use your weapons and, and exploit uh, that to the best of your ability.
2: All right, Tom. Great stuff as always. We'll talk to you Tuesday and get a recap on what happens on Saturday. Cool. Thanks, Chuck. Uh, yeah, I, I think when you watch every turn game and you watch the special teams as a whole, this might be the week we see special teams really have a a, a real impact on the not just the game but the scoreboard.
0: Well, it's possible. And I mean, every time he touches the ball, you kind of get the idea that at some point he is going to break one. I think Arkansas is solid in special teams. I think this is going to be the best special teams that we've seen under Sam Pittman. Um, and, and, not, and I'm not just talking about the obvious, you know, the, the kicker, the punter, the return guy. Um, I think they're pretty solid in uh, special teams. I, um, I like the way they've covered um I, I i think they've got a chance and yeah i think there's going to be a point where satania breaks one when it's going to happen i don't know but um you know you watch him play there's um you know there's no doubt there's something special there
4: arkansas is 100 the red zone all touchdowns cam hasn't attempted a field goal yet now he's put one through the uprights from the kickoff is it odd for me to kind of want Arkansas to maybe stall a drive or two within field goal range just so yeah. he gets a kick before Baton Rouge?
0: Let's go ahead and score touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's just go ahead and do that if if, if, if they can. Hey, a couple of things on the running game I want to go back to here that Tom was talking about. Um, you know, let's put this in a big-picture perspective. you got first-time starters at tackle. If you didn't have your captain for the first game, mm-hmm. And one of the things that's being lost in all this and not being mentioned enough, you've got a 1,400-yard back that's not playing. And you want to talk about yards after contact, yeah, you got to break tackles, man. Rockets the best we got at that. And his absence, I think, is being understated, quite frankly. We have developed this mindset that if you've got a great offensive line, you can just plug anybody back there. And that if, you know, your running back room's full and you don't have a guy that's a 1,000-yard rusher, well, something's wrong with your offensive line. I just think when you look at the big picture in this, there's no way that Arkansas's running game could be as good as everybody thinks it ought to be. They did rush for 172 yards Saturday. That is a winning total. Now, I do think this, and I think this is just going to be one of the realities moving forward. I think they're going to lean on K.J., I think K.J.'s going to run the ball more. I think he's going to be called upon to win the game. Now, that may not be exactly what is ideal from an offensive perspective, but I think when you look at this offense right now and you look at the first-time starters at tackle and you look at the fact that you got a 1,400 first-team all-conference player not playing, when that happens, you're going to lean on your best player, and your best player is K.J., And I think that means running. I think it means throwing. I think when we go to Baton Rouge, um, if we win, KJ's going to have to be the MVP. Now, that may not be ideal again, but I just think that's the reality of where they are until Rocket gets back and until they get a little bit more experience at these tackle spots. These guys are good. They're going to be fine. But right now, with Rocket out particularly, I do think they're going to call on
2: K.J. to go win some ballgames for him, maybe more so than they might normally. You mentioned Rocket and him being out, and that's the obvious, but Coach addressed that yesterday. Didn't give a, a lot of hope. I know he's out this week, but certainly wasn't a lot of optimism, at least the way I read his comments, that, that he will be back for the LSU game.
0: Well, if he is, and I hope he is, but I don't know that you can say, all right, you've not played in the first three ballgames games. Now go be great against LSU your first time out. I don't know that that's a realistic expectation. Uh, And that's why I said a minute ago, I think we're in a period right now, and I don't think it's going to be this way all year. But I think right now, for a couple of weeks, and that includes the LSU game, we're in a spot where we're going to have to lean on our best player. And our best player is that quarterback. And um, I just think that's what they're going to have to do if they're going to win these games. Yeah, yeah. And the defense is going to have to play well. I mean, the defense has yeah. been playing well. Here's the thing that's been lost about all this team right now. We've we've, we've lamented some of the things we don't like. Man, their turnover margins championship level right now. They're catching the passes that are interceptable, and uh, they're not dropping them. They're not. You know, I'm not saying man, if he'd picked that off, he'd have scored. They're picking it off and they're scoring.
4: No turnovers. Number one in the SEC, I think top five in college football. If you're in that category at the tail end of the year, you're going to find yourself near double-digit wins, I think.
5: It's Christmas in
1: July. Give your family the gift of true comfort this summer with an HVAC system replacement from Pascal. No packages to unwrap, no batteries to buy, and no assembly required. Financing is available for as low as $99 a month and no money down with up to $2,000 in tax credits and savings. Don't wait for December. Get your holiday savings now. Schedule your free estimate today. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics.
4: So before the break, we were talking about the status of Rocket Sanders. No go for this Saturday. Don't know about LSU just yet, but we did get an update on Dwight McLaughlin for this weekend. Here's what coach said about that yesterday.
3: You know, he's practiced both days. He's still got a little tenderness in that toe, but I believe that he'll be ready to play on Saturday.
4: Okay, one of your best, if not your best, cornerbacks for BYU. We've talked about Keaton Slovis a little bit. Really good numbers at USC. Dropped back a little when he was at Pitt last year. Now at byu we'll see what he's doing on saturday night but guys you'd like to have one of your better cornerbacks and based on coach's comments looks like he might be suiting up on saturday night
0: sounds like you are gonna try to give it a go but I mean, we'll just see how it mm-hmm. how it works out as the game wears on uh that's a tough injury from what i understand that's a very it can be a very painful injury to play through but sounds like they're gonna they're gonna try to have him ready sounds like he wants to be ready
2: it's it's the ligament in the big toe in that joint right and when that gets i don't know by, i'm not sure well oh, i heard that's i heard matt jones talking about it he's played with guys in the nfl it can be a career ender and, and one of those nagging injuries he's seen guys that just didn't come cedric back from Cobb's.
0: It. yeah cedric Cobb's had issues with that it uh it hampered him some when he was here. It hampered him some after he left.
4: I did see, speaking of turf, I saw the NFL PA is yeah. pushing for natural grass. Well, in filming, I was listening Halftime. Phil made a great point. You've got this billion upon billion dollar product, and there's research out there that shows turf causes more injuries. We're now back to natural grass. Why is why is there turf in the NFL, much less in college football? Like When there's clear research out there that shows that more injuries occur on turf. Why is that a thing? Just
0: well, price? because in a lot of these places, football's not the only sport that's played there. Ah, okay. In a lot of these major markets, you've got, uh, you know, you got soccer. you got a lot of things going on. Um, I don't know the specific answer. That would be my guess. Um, I know that even though, you know, yeah, they've got a lot of money, and they could probably outfit every field with grass every week if they wanted to. Um you know, a lot of these places, um, again, host a variety of events. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to guess that that's in part why they do what they do. Yeah. And you got and some of them like a fast track. Hey, when Bobby Petrino was hired here, I think that was the most important thing to him mm-hmm. was, was we got to rip that grass up and put some turf down. Yeah. And some guys like a fast track.
2: And I don't know the number of domed or indoor stadiums, but I mean, there is one in Texas that does grow, that moves their the grass in now i think arizona may be the same way but it's mm-hmm. very difficult to grow grass indoors and there's i don't know how many number of uh indoor stadiums there are now but that that would be one reason you couldn't do it league-wide that that's the first thing that comes to mind
0: well they're not playing the world cup at globe life field either or you know they're not uh, some of these stadiums they're in um, they're in major bidding wars for major events and I'm gonna guess that's got something to do with it. I don't like it. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I I prefer everything to be played on natural turf, but uh, I'm gonna guess that's why they do it.
2: But I think about like the Patriots and all the playoff games they've had in late January, oh, yeah. snow falling. Yeah. They, I bet they like having turf then. You know, where the footing's it's probably a little better.
4: Yeah, so. it's a good point. Didn't think about that either. All right, red white game's been announced for Arkansas basketball Wednesday night, October the fourth. Tip off's at six. That's the week of the Arkansas Ole Miss game in Oxford. Uh, It's free. It starts opening parking at 5 p.m. And again, it's free parking all lots west of Razorback Road and Lot 44. Doors open to Barnhill at 5.30. No tickets required. General admission is, again, a first-come, first-served basis. Guys, that's going to be here before you know it. They got their exhibition game, of course, on the bye week for back football coming up late October. But pretty soon, we're gonna have to start talking a little more Arkansas basketball in this show too. Going to be exciting too. And Chuck, it's an
2: overhauled team, much like football. We talked about the number of new players. Basketball has kind of been the one that led the way in in how you retool the roster.
0: Yeah, at least around here, that's for sure. You know, that's the that's the first taste we got of it as a fan base was what they've done in uh, basketball and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just think that first off, there's the the feeling, and it's and it's it's a justified feeling that you know, Muss is going to have them ready to contend and run deep when we get to March, and it sounds like they've got players that are going to give them a chance to do that. You think this team can be better than last year's team? Eh, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I haven't. You know, I'm kind of like everybody else. We've we've not seen them play. We've heard uh maybe seen a little bit here and there but we're just not going to know till we get there i suspect that it's going to be like the majority of us's teams have been um he's going to coach the heck out of him Mm -hmm. and there may be a spot early in the year where um you know, they, they they falter a little bit, but he'll have them ready in March. He knows what he's doing.
4: You've made this point time and time again, Tommy. They're going to be battle-tested. I mean, you think about who they play in the Bahamas. You think about who they play in Duke and Purdue and some of their on – for um, the Paladins, Furman. That's another good non-conference opponent. SEC play the teams you get, Kentucky twice. They're not going to be worried about the NCAA tournament competition-wise. Well, this is what
0: elite teams do, and this is what we once did you know when uh, when it was rolling with nolan man we uh, hey we, we we played a schedule like this every year all comers and um that's what elite teams do this 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 is what happens when you're a top 10 program you play big games college basketball can't get away with dud games mm-hmm. i mean they're 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 scrambling for every set of eyeballs they can find uh, at least pre March. They got everybody in March and they battle for every every single viewer before then. So they want big games. And when you're a top ten team, these are the games you get and it's generally against somebody elite and we just not been able to see it in a while and now we're seeing it again and it's fun. All
4: right, last thing here in your hog update. Baseball schedules out. Listen who you get at home. LSU, Ole Miss, Texas Tech, Florida, and Mississippi State. All coming to Baumwalker Walker Stadium. It's a good slate right there this spring. I mean, they, Arkansas had the majority of their tough games on the road last year. This year, they're at what, home. But three teams on your league schedule that have all won national titles
2: in like a, just, a hand last handful of years. Yeah, last three. It's a good years.
0: non-conference schedule too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you look at the midweek games later on. Texas Tech comes in. Mm-hmm.
4: That's a pretty good schedule. So KJ Jefferson, all eyes are typically on your starting quarterback number one. And coach got asked again by Chuck about kind of the, the setup of what KJ's gonna do against the Cougars. Here was his response to that last night. Well, I
3: think you go into the game saying each one of these guys, AJ and and R dub and Dom and all you know, all those guys are going, okay, we would like to for them to carry it this many times, X amount of time. KJ's the same way as in early. It was, you know, the last week. Is one or two times. You know, obviously it went over that. In the first week is we don't want to run him at all. This week, it's we're going to run him however many it takes to win. We're in big time ball right now, so uh, we need to win. We need to let the nation know and our state know that we've got a good football team, so we, we've got to go out there and, and use every advantage that we have.
4: Guys, so far, KJ's rushed 18 times for a little under 60 yards. Now, again, in college, they calculate the sack totals into your rush totals. So that number is a little skewed to this point but as you heard from coach they're going to expand on that in two days
0: well if they need to they will and i do believe that you know they're going to call upon kj a lot over the next couple of weeks as rocket uh, continues to ail and as they continue to develop on that offensive line i think that kj's going to be called upon to run the ball throw the ball and do whatever is required to win he's uh he's leader of the team he's their best player And I think that he's going to be called upon to be exactly that over the next couple of weeks.
4: You know, it's interesting to hear Coach Satake, BYU's coach, and the BYU players talk about KJ this week and the holdovers on defense. Everyone remembers that play he made last year where he broke. It looked like three or four tackles in the backfield somehow got Trey Knox. But, I mean, you've seen the, the first two games... This season, he still got that. That's not lost or anything. And you might see a play against them on Saturday night in a similar situation where it looks like all helps his loss. He's going to lose seven or eight yards, and somehow he gets out of it again, Chuck. Well,
0: it has been part of his magic, you know, from the moment he took the field for the Razorbacks. That's been part of his magic. And you look at some of the big plays he's made. He's been... Um... You know, he's, he's been in a spot where it looked like he was going to go down, and he didn't. And he kept the play alive. And you know, we saw a little bit of that on Saturday, even against Kent State, on the on the play where the ball was on the ground. And, you know, he kept his eyes up and never panicked. And Armstrong kept playing the play, and all of a sudden you got a touchdown.
2: He has a way of bringing you to your feet the way Matt Jones did. You know, where, where you, you, like you said, all hope seemed lost. The play was... Was uh, certainly going to be snuffed out. It was going to go down as a sack or a tackle for loss, and sometime somehow he finds a, a crease and slips out.
4: Yeah, and there's something important. Chuck was just addressing there, and he brought it up on the Give Me the Hogs Chuck podcast this week. It's, it's not just on KJ to get out of it, but it's also on the wide receivers to keep moving. And Andrew did exactly that. Instead of moving with the entire defense right, he goes back left, finds himself wide open. Receivers need to keep helping KJ out and realize that even if it looks like he's going to get sacked, you got to keep playing.
0: He's going to keep the play alive. And he's got enough command now that he keeps his eyes downfield. You know, he uh, he doesn't go into panic mode if it if it falls apart, so to speak. And, um, no, I think they believe in him. Um, and I think, you know, as is the case with all great players, as was the case with McFadden and Matt Jones and Cedric Cobbs and, you know, pick your great, um, you look to that guy to win the game for you. And I think, you know, K.J.'s equipped to do that
4: for Keen Slovis on, on the other side. I know BYU is going to be entrusting a lot in him. It's hard to go into any SEC venue, especially as a non-conference opponent, to get it done. We we haven't seen a lot through two games. Again, he's transitioned to his third school. How much do you think they sling the rock on Saturday night or is they really going to try and beat Arkansas at the ground game that Arkansas is pretty much stifled to this point?
0: Well, I think they'll try to run the ball. I mean, I think they'll try to do that because if they don't, uh, you know, if they get into situations where they have to throw, uh, I would imagine that Arkansas is going to have an advantage there. So, uh, I would think they would try to run the ball some. I don't think they're going to do what Kent State did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't think they're going to play four corners or anything like that. But. Um... I don't know that they're gonna you know come into the game with the idea that we're gonna throw it forty times. They may end up having to, but I, I don't I don't know that that's their plan.
4: you know you mentioned that Kent State game, and you mentioned it there. you also talked about it with coach last night. I, I thought his answer was interesting in regards to was that too short of a game?
3: No, you know everything's television driven. The commercials were there. They still play they played them. And I understand that because that's how financially were supported in certain ways you know a lot of money but to me there probably would be different ways if we wanted to shorten the game than that because right now people can do that and you're gonna you're gonna play 56 58 snaps you know where you're normally playing 70 75 so i don't particularly like it but you know it's something that's in the game
4: and again the question i think you i'm paraphrasing chuck right you you asked him
3: i
0: want to make sure we clarify
3: the question i want
4: to make yeah i was gonna do that do you like it and that's where he said no at that point or something like that but i I think that's uh, – I've heard some other coaches like Chip Kelly and others talk about it, but, I mean, he was honest. He didn't like it, and it, it just feels like there's more commercials than less football to me at this point. There is.
0: I don't know – well, here, here's here's the thing. The people that like this – and I admit, I've I, I've been in this group. The people that like this are media people. I mean, they are. If you're a sports writer, you know – And you're working on deadline, particularly particularly if it's a night game. They love it. That's driven a lot of this stuff in baseball, believe me. Um, If you work around the game, if you're media, it's a work day for you. And just like anybody else who goes to work, you'd like to get done as quick as you can and go home. So media people love it. And sometimes that feeds the narrative. Mm-hmm. And we're all guilty of buying into that. And I include myself in that. I'm guilty as charged. But, you know, he, he brought up a point last night off the air. He said, you know, these guys work too hard to make it the objective on Saturday to let's get out of here as quick as we can. Mm-hmm. They work too hard Monday through Thursday for the objective on Saturday to be let's get this done quickly. And I'll go back to one of the things I've always said about when they debated the length of baseball games. Find me one little kid who goes to a game and gets out of the car and says, Daddy, I hope this thing's over quick. (laughs) Find me one child that does that unless it's your sister and she doesn't want to go. Find me one little kid who go I mean I can remember as a child going I got sad in the 7th inning because it was almost over and I got sad in the 4th quarter of a Razorback game because pretty soon I was going to have to leave mm-hmm. I didn't like that this is this this narrative that quicker is better I will admit is media driven now did I love a 245 game did I love getting in my car <laughs> less than 4 hours from kickoff yes I did but I hadn't thought of it in the perspective that he presented and I think it's a point that we need to think about um, three and a half hours is too long but I think as we often see sometimes the pendulum swings from one extreme to the other um, 245 might be a little bit short yeah. It,
2: but I think Saturday's last Saturday's game was an outlier I mean you're yeah, you just don't see very many teams that stall it out the way Kent State well, did But I think that they showed a model for
0: how you compete with a team that's a lot better than you but may not have their emotional edge that week. Arkansas didn't really have their emotional edge in that game Saturday, I didn't think. I don't think anybody else thinks it either. Um, Kent State took advantage of that. They didn't run the ball overwhelmingly well, but they picked up some first downs early on. And that clock just kept rolling. And they kept waiting until it was inside 10 seconds to snap. And all of a sudden, the first quarter's about over. Arkansas didn't force three and outs in the first half the way they did against Western Carolina. And so, um, you know, it does get into a situation almost like basketball, where a team is milking the clock and you begin to see the other side rush shots because they want to pick up the pace. And all of a sudden, everybody's frustrated. And you say to yourself, we're just going to have to win an an ugly game tonight. I think that's kind of what happened in a football perspective on Saturday.
2: Well, I think Arkansas had 23, if I remember right, 23 first-half snaps. Sounds right. And that... That puts pressure on every play when you end up in that, and people wonder, well, why didn't you lead by more? Why weren't your stats better? Why didn't you have more rushing yards? Didn't have the ball. When you have 23 plays, they had it for less than 10 minutes. Now go and compare that to the second half, where Arkansas, from a time of possession standpoint, flipped the script. Arkansas had it 22 minutes in the second half. They owned the clock. They owned uh, the pace of the game in the second half, and they owned the line of scrimmage when you really look at the plays. Arkansas was running the ball the way they wanted to in the third and fourth quarter. You know, one can argue, and it's a good
0: argument. Hey, if you want the ball back, stop him. You know, get a three and out and stop him. You can make that argument, and it's a good argument, and I'd make it. Um, But but I do think his perspective on this, uh, it really got me thinking about my view on it and whether or not it really is good and whether or not we have gone from one extreme to the other. Um, there are ways to shorten ball games without necessarily um, keeping the clock rolling the way they do. Pro and college is different. And I will admit, when they came up with this rule change, I was all on board. I mean, I really was.
2: But I'm not sure now that they didn't go a little bit too far. Yeah, but the the, the rolling the clock on the first downs wasn't... I think Saturday's game, we're not going to look up and see another game under three hours this year. I I just don't think we will.
4: Um, You may be right. You may be right. I don't know. Here is the question I have. And you mentioned possibly some lesser teams having some advantage against some more high caliber teams in a group of five versus power five situation. Could this help Arkansas? Because I've always believed whether it's a a seven game series or going into overtimes or longer games that the better team is going to win out given longer periods of time. Well, you're not going to
0: get into that against teams like Kent State. And your opponents that have the ability to take you to overtime aren't going to play that way. Well,
4: the perspective I'm coming from, we know Arkansas from a roster standpoint is not necessarily going to have year in, year out, better rosters against Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, and some other teams in this league. Oh, you're wondering if we do it. Yeah, if, if Arkansas could have an advantage, and Coach... Coach kind of actually talked about that, and here's what he said on that.
3: We talked about it as a staff. Is this a way that you, you know, you're playing a real fast-paced offense and this, that, and the other, and you think, hey, we'll just slow the game down. We'll frustrate them. Is that the way that we win? Well, if you convince your players that you're doing that instead of, hey, I don't want to get beat by a whole bunch, right. I think it's got a lot, of, a lot of merit to it.
4: People got mad at Ken Hatfield because his offenses weren't great. But the guys were winning conference championships and winning close to nine or ten games a year. The result is what the what you want, and it, it might not be the prettiest all the time. But I wonder if if Pittman and this staff might try this once or twice a game this year that they might be outmatched from a roster standpoint against.
0: Well, I've not seen a team yet that I think goes so fast and is so good offensively that you'd want to do that against. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see anybody out there right now. Um, I think the key in what he said there is 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 not whether or not the idea has merit. It's whether or not you can convince your kids that mm-hmm. you're doing it because you think it gives you the best chance to win, or because you don't believe in them. Yeah, because you know the fewer I, plays, I mean, fewer stats for them. Fewer good, running, yeah, 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 you, you know, it's you're you're basically telling your team, hey, uh, our only chance is to you know not snap the ball. Um, <laughs> our only chance against them is to limit the times they do. Um, you know, there's
2: a hidden message in there too. But if it helps you win at LSU in two weeks, I'm on board. (laughs)
0: And I I just, I I don't think they're that good offensively. Well, uh, let me rephrase that. I don't think they're so good offensively that you think, my God, we can't let them run the ball. We can't let them have the ball. If, 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 if we don't find a way to keep them from snapping, we have no chance to win. I don't view that. I think our best chance to win is with a ball in K.J.'s hands, and to do that, you've got to snap it to him. Mm-hmm. So um, I say go play. Yeah.
4: Chuck, you weren't here for a what's your beef Wednesday yesterday, but one of the beefs I had was I had to pay ninety cents to the Oklahoma Turnpike Authority for I think it was going to Tulsa on four twelve or something. I called them because it was the bill was a couple months late. (laughs) Luckily, it was still ninety cents. Was it? So I didn't get overcharged or anything. But I just wanted uh, you've talked to me about buying a Pike Pass, which is forty bucks, get you to Kansas. Texas, Oklahoma, yeah. I think Florida. I might You're be traveling man, Ty. You need a, yeah, bike need a bike pack. I think it's going to be... not an- cost any extra. Actually, it saves you money. Well, I'm going to be expense it because I'm going to be taking mm. work trips. It's not going to cost me anything mm. in the long run. But did want to update our audience on that. Also, you had asked the question yesterday in regards to Jack's Pub, the place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that was yeah. giving away free bar taps if the Jets lost when Aaron Rodgers is starting. Well, the update on that... Is one, the owners are in like Cozumel or something. So they haven't even come back since the first one. 350 people had open tabs on Monday night. Right. The biggest bill was $160 That's all on it? beer. Like I only That's bought, a lot of beer, though. Yeah, it's a lot of beer for 160 There were conditions, weren't there? Yes. Weren't there some kind of conditions on this? Rodgers had to start. You had to be there 15 minutes before the game, through the end of the game. And the Jets had to, of course, lose, which they won. And so all those people had to pay their bar tab. But it,
2: again... But they were loading up, Chuck, when when, when Aaron Rodgers
4: went yeah. down early. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
2: man. I mean, <laughs> you, you, were, you were loading up thinking, man, this tab is going to get taken care of. And then the punt return at the end of the night, they had to pay off. Then I, I, I bet. Mm-hmm. I, I hope you had a good security guard at the door because I bet there were people trying to bolt out of there.
4: The mm. the expectation is that the bar made probably between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars that mm-hmm. night. I don't know what they typically make on Monday night football. I don't know if this promotion. I bet they
0: did
2: okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: they. Uh, can they, you, met You sat there for that whole game, thinking, "Hey, free
2: payday free. is coming at the end of this one," and then it goes to overtime, and then the punt return ends
4: the night. at that would that would be brutal That's that is uh, it's tough it's kind of like when i uh I, I think that you're gonna pay and then we get split checks at the end of a, yeah. a meal or yeah. something how many like times that. does that happen no no well you gotta play along <laughs> with it man <laughs> i pay it listen i pay for your meal once a year yeah, once it, a year i sacrifice yeah. my credit card he's and, telling and the truth it, it is truly tie up for
0: a tip one time you remember that tie we're in Iowa. We were in Iowa. Oh, yeah. Now, you had gotten me free breakfast. You had gotten me free breakfast. I didn't have any cash. And we get to the end of the show, and it's time to leave. And I goes, hey, man, you got any cash? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I said all will Leave <laughs> this waitress hey, for a tip."
2: That's his move.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was, a, it was a sly move. Yeah, it was, that's his move. Felt- well, hey, he knows, he knows an old guy. Yeah. He knows an old guy always carries cash. Yeah. Young guys don't carry cash, but
4: he knows an old guy's always got some cash on it. This podcast.